In 2004, with his wife still in prison, Fletcher died, never having gotten much closer to the American dream than he was when Johnson climbed onto his porch. Visit the area today, and despite Johnson's promises, you'll see that idleness and depression still hang heavy in the air. In Inez, as across the country, the welfare state and modern technology have made joblessness and poverty less materially painful. Homes have electricity and running water. Refrigerators, personal computers, and cars are ubiquitous. Economic growth and innovation have delivered material abundance, and some of the War on Poverty's programs have proved effective at bolstering struggling families. But even though poverty has become less materially miserable, it is no less common. In Martin County, just 27% of adults are in the labor force. Welfare is more common than work. Caloric deficits have been replaced by rampant obesity. Meanwhile, things aren't much better on the national level. In 1966, when the War on Poverty programs were finally up and running, the national poverty rate stood at 14.7%. By 2014, it stood at 14.8%. In other words, the United States had spent trillions of dollars but seen no reduction in the poverty rate. Of course, the poverty rate doesn't take into account rising consumption standards or a variety of government transfers— from food stamps to public housing to cash assistance. But the calculations that determine it do include most of the income that Americans earn for themselves. So although the rate is a poor tool for gauging material conditions, it does capture trends in Americans' ability to earn success. And what it shows is that progress on that front has been scant. The war on poverty has offered plenty of economic analgesics, but few cures. This is a failure not just in the eyes of conservative critics, but also according to the standards set by the man who launched the campaign. On signing the Appalachian Regional Development Act in March 1965, Johnson argued that the United States should aspire to more than simply sustaining people in poverty. This nation, he declared, is committed not only to human freedom, but also to human dignity and decency. R. Sergeant Shriver, a key Johnson advisor on the war on poverty, put it even more explicitly. We're investing in human dignity, not doles. I need you to need me. At its core, to be treated with dignity means being considered worthy of respect. Certain situations bring out a clear, conscious sense of your own dignity. When we receive praise or promotions at work, when we see our children succeed, when we see a volunteer effort pay off and change our neighborhood for the better, we feel a sense of dignity when our own lives produce value for ourselves and others. Put simply, to feel dignified, one must be needed by others. The war on poverty did not fail because it did not raise the daily caloric consumption of Tom Fletcher. It did. It failed because it did nothing significant to make him and Americans like him needed, and thus help them gain a sense of dignity. It also got the U.S. government into the business of treating people left behind by economic change as liabilities to manage rather than as human assets to develop. The dignity deficit that has resulted is particularly acute among working-class men, most of whom are white and live in rural and exurban parts of the United States. In his most recent book, Men Without Work, the political economist and American Enterprise Institute scholar Nicholas Eberstadt shows that the percentage of working-age men outside the labor force, that is, neither working nor seeking work, has more than tripled since 1965 rising from 3.3% to 11.6%, and men without a high school degree are more than twice as likely to be part of this unworking class. 
These men are withdrawing not only from the labor force, but from other social institutions as well. Two-thirds of them are unmarried, and Eberstadt found that despite their lack of work obligations, these men are no more likely to spend time volunteering, participating in religious activities, or caring for family members than men with full-time employment. That sort of isolation and idleness correlates with severe pathologies in rural areas where drug abuse and suicide have become far more common in recent years. In 2015, the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences published an extraordinary paper by the economists Anne Case and Angus Deaton. They found that, in contrast to the favorable long-term trends in life expectancy across the rest of the developed world, the mortality rate among middle-aged white Americans without any college education has actually risen since 1999. The main reasons? Since that year, among that population, fatalities due to chronic liver disease and cirrhosis have increased by 46%.